Artists Worldwide. Welcome to Quarantine Life, episode two of Global Brothers Podcast. As per regular, it's your man, the Dandy, here with you, and uh, Big Heath in the building. What's cracking, Heath? What's up, brother? How are you, man? Can I get a ha- nice handshake? For sure, virtually, virtually, yeah, for sure. Let's keep it. Let's keep it a hundred. Elbow, 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 elbow. elbow. Well, social distancing. Um, well, hey, yeah, man, we. Yeah, we hear, we hear, um, you know, we got a very, very special guest uh, today and um, all the way from, looks like outer space, but you know, like uh, he just told us that's where we live. So that's where we at. But, uh, we have Councilman of the seventh ward, uh, Cleveland, Ohio with us. Welcome to Little Brothers Podcast. Man, it's a pleasure to be here with the brothers, man. It's a pleasure to be here. I thank you guys so much for uh, the invitation. And um, yeah, man, you know, brothers like us, man, we we, we stay out, we stay in, in outer space, man, so that we can uh, overstand the situation, man, for sure. No question, real life, overstanding. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So, so um, it looks like outer space where you are, but um, well, let's call it Ward Seven, Wakanda. Okay, for sure. We'll call it Ward Seven, Wakanda which is uh, on another level right now under your leadership. Before we get to that, I wanna uh, go way back, okay, to maybe 2010, 2011. Uh, I was in a barbershop with a brother named Emil Cook, who we were rapping <laughs> so many times, and he's of course a Morehouse brother like yourself. He said, hey man, you go to Cleveland a lot. You need to connect with my boy Rashir. And I said a word. So after he said it maybe over a year's time, he said it quite a few times. Ah, he gave me your number. Mm-hmm. And when he gave me your number, uh, I texted you a couple of times when I was in Cleveland, but you know, I was always on the move. And of course, you know, it was late, late notice or last minute. So we had never connected. That was probably between 2011 to 2013. So one day I'm over here in the UAE and a friend of mine <laughs> says, yeah, I'm going out here to hear Bashir Jones speak. And I'm like, who, say that again? And he said, Bashir Jones uh, uh, from the States. I said, where's he from? He said, Cleveland. <laughs> and I had never met you. My eyes lit up. I said, where is that brother right now? And we called you. <laughs> We called you. I made my or remade my acquaintance with you. You knew who I was. And we were in your hotel room chopping it up probably in the next 20 minutes later. And that was that was a special time for me. And I told that story many times to people how the world is, man. You just never know how people are gonna connect. Since That's then, real, man. Thank yeah, man. Since then I uh had become a Bashir Jones fan. Actually, I was before then. I was following your work before. And subsequently, you became a city councilman of Cleveland in the Ward 7. And it's been it's been nothing but uh, fun watching you ever since then. 
Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna probably have to go back a little further, uh, maybe back to after Morehouse. You know, what, what, what happened? You know, what led you? What led you to taking well, these, these type of leadership positions? Before you jump in and get rolling with this, um, I just wanted to uh, uh, properly warm it up. Even um, that was a wonderful story of like, you know, how I met Heath, and uh, we definitely appreciate that. Um, just like I'm sure, like someone that needs an introduction like this, we should, we should say you're an educator, you're a motivational speaker, you're a councilman, you're a uh, uh, a music and hip hop enthusiast, if not a practitioner, dare I say, um, and so more. So um, for all those reasons and more, we're happy to have you. So yeah, um, you know, as Heath was leading into, uh, you did go to an HBCU. Uh, which is which is uh, which is very inspirational, uh, you know, for me and our viewers as well to uh, to kind of see the product, you know, that a Morehouse man has to offer. So yeah, kind of kind of kind of do tell us about that origin story, um, and uh, and uh, yeah, how you came up. Because uh, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, I think of where Brooklyn at is in is in is yeah. in, is in North. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. We're Brooklyn. For sure. You know that's what that's what uh, that's where I was about to go, and uh, you know that uh, you know what you just said that that touched me because I guess I am a practitioner of hip hop, man, and not just in uh, not just in the ability to be able to rap, but just in the culture itself. Uh, and bringing that 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 culture to politics and that culture of you know uh, speaking, speaking truth to power, you know. And um, so originally from Brooklyn, New York, and when my family we moved to Cleveland, you know we were homeless, man. You know we lived in the shelters of Cleveland, uh, Salvation Army, um, different Catholic charities, and um, that was our lived experience. Um, but while living in this experience, my mother, even while we were homeless, her name was Imani, even while we were homeless, she would take us to go feed other homeless people. At a very young age, she was teaching us that no matter how bad you got it, somebody got it worse than you. So with that, it was always a, 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 um, an energy of giving back and gratefulness. And you, you ain't successful until you give back. So that was my, that was my spirit and it still is my spirit and my energy. And uh, you know, skipping all, skipping, you know, uh, you know that that lived experience, and then went to Morehouse. Did, didn't get accepted to Morehouse at first, you know. Didn't get accepted, man. Uh, got denied, right? Got rejected. Um, but a man by the name of Dr. Reverend Otis Moss out of Cleveland, who was the chairman of the board of trustees, wrote me a letter. Um, and a week later, after I got rejected, I got accepted, and. Um, and then four years later, graduated graduated with honors, man. So went back to Cleveland and got into radio and television and was, you know, did some correspondent for CNN and C-SPAN and MSNBC and just became this radio show host, the youngest radio show host in, in, in radio, for Radio One in the country. And um, then I started getting into politics, you know, Obama can, you know, so from there people started knowing me in Obama campaign and I think when I came out to uh, Dubai uh, which was about 10 something years ago you know I was making a transition from radio you know to, uh, to, to to politics in a sense I had ran for office initially but I lost by 600 votes 
And then I ran again and I won by 13 votes, man. Talking <laughs> stress, baby. So, uh, and then, but just like everything else in my life, I was told no. Just like everything in my life, you know? And um, I just never accepted that as my reality, especially if I wanted it. So I just kept going, kept going, kept going. And the creator opened it up for me, man. And, um, and now, Councilman Award 7 in Cleveland, and God willing, man, the next mayor of the city. I can see that. Abby, Abby, I love that. I love that. I can see that, brother. And, um, inshallah. Your, 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 uh, your work speaks for itself I mean, as far as your, uh, your mind, your leadership, but most importantly, the results. The results, and um, you have a lot of humility, which in, in, in when you highlight some of the results, because you still have to let the masses of the people know that you're working for them. So when you let them know, they're very appreciative. Um, sure. Later on, I want to get into that because uh, we put it in the universe already. You uh, possibly becoming the mayor of uh, the city of Cleveland one day, but later on I ask you how, you know, how much that would entail. So we'll put a pin in that. Um, how are you, uh, first of all, Ramadan uh, Kareem to you, Ramadan Mubarak. Um, you know, you uh, have a lot of work to do with this COVID-19 in Cleveland. Tell us about some of the things that are going on, especially uh, the disparities that's happening in the black community. You know, um, I want to touch on, you know, what you said in regards to, man, us linking up in Dubai. Um, that was a powerful thing for me because I just didn't realize how many African-Americans, the African-American community, like straight from Brooklyn, straight from Atlanta, straight from, you know what I mean, Chicago, Cleveland, who have made it home in Dubai. And that was amazing for me. That really opened and expanded my mind uh, and our ability to be able to, no matter what, in the middle of the desert, man, we able to make a way out of nowhere. And, um, you know, and as I tell my people here in Cleveland and the States, listen, man, we made it through the transatlantic slave trade. We can make it through this, but, you know, we gotta be, we gotta be smart. You know, initially people thought that this wasn't a black person's virus. Black people couldn't get it. Right. But now we see that black people are suffering um, from it more than anyone else. And that's because when America has a sneeze, black people have pneumonia. That's our situation in this country, man. And, <clears throat> you know, the poverty that exists. You know, we have a, a big march that we're planning, protest that we're planning this Saturday. Uh, one of the jails in Ohio had the highest cases of coronavirus in the top three in the country. You know, and of course, majority of them in there are over 80 percent, over 90 percent are African American. So, um, so you know, we we're 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 we're, uh, we're suffering from terrible leadership uh, in the presidential position, but that's a that's a representation of the people. You know, it says that when God when God isn't happy with you, He'll give you a terrible leader. So. Trump is a Trump is a representation of the people. So even in him leaving, that segment of the population still is there. And it's not just a segment of white people, but it's a segment of people who 
uh, can care less about other people, and that's black people as well. So, um, so you know, right now a lot of social distancing is taking place, but you know, man, people having parties still, man, they still have to do, they still doing this, they still doing that, um, and unfortunately, most people aren't impacted until it touched them. Yeah. And uh, you know, one of my closest friends, man, his father is in the hospital right now. Um, my uncle, man, was in uh, ICU. Alhamdulillah, he he's come out of it, man. He's, he's he's but many people, man, who I've known who have, who have died from it, and, um, and 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 it's a serious thing, man. So, um, you know, so you know, right now, this is the time. It's it's like, you know. The house has burnt down in a sense oh, here in Cleveland. With that being said, what we have to do is we have to rebuild this house. Um, the economy totally shut down off of a cough. Yeah. <laughs> a cough has shut the world down. The most powerful country in the world has been shut down because of a cough. So as I, I tell people, when we get out of this isolation, there has to be elevation. So, you know, when the when a caterpillar is isolated, it comes out the butterfly. Right. And this is what we have to look at ourselves, man. Uh, and when you study the spiritual text, right now I'm getting my master's in religion. Um, take three more classes away, man, and I'll be, uh, I have my master's in religion. And just studying the different texts of faith. And you find that, that God spoke to people the most when they were in isolation, you know. So this is when we have to connect, man. We got to connect with ourselves, connect with the spirit, and uh, and be guided, man, for sure. Wow. Eaton, I really, I really, I really love that message. Um, again, you build on what he said earlier about the humility. Uh, just like you know, as you speak, um, it really, it really does speak volumes. Even I, even I coming from that meat mindset because it's very, you know, it's very, uh, it's very powerful. And uh, now obviously that you've addressed the faith, you know, the, the, the faith um, matter of what makes you up, it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, is, it a, is it general theology that you're going to be studying or um, specifically one religion over the other? Specifically Islamic studies, but, um, but we study, you know, uh, the, uh, the Bible from the Christian perspective, the Torah from the Jewish perspective. We really have to look at it from their perspective, not not our own uh, ingrained prejudices or or even a preconceived notions of what each other might be like. You know, we have to see it from their own perspective of saying, "Well, look, uh, when in Rome, so to speak." You know, so so if we're in Dubai, when in Dubai, what do people there do? But if I'm in Cleveland, how do people in Cleveland operate? So if I'm looking at that religion, we can't look at it from our own experience. Uh, we have to look at from their experience of, of what that religion uh, denotes and then try to understand that more so by asking questions, but mostly by listening because we got two ears, right? Man, you hit it on the head, baby. You hit it right on the head, man. You know, I was in Hawaii. You go out to Hawaii, you know, you know, usually people just want to do the tourism, man, but I wanted to study, man, the Hawaiians, man. Shoot, matter of fact, is this called Hawaii? You know, are you Hawaiian? Right. You know what I mean? Right. I want to... I want to hear what you called yourself. You know, we 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 have a we have an issue with always naming something. But I was I, this this is this, this probably sounds crazy, but I, I, I sometimes I look at animals. Well, you know, I'm saying animals, right? But sometimes I may look at a dog. I'm like, I wonder what you call yourself. I'm over here calling you Fido. You know what I mean? But I wonder what you what's your own name? You know what I mean? 
I'll be bugging sometimes, man. But you know, that's a that's a that's a colonizer's you know a way of making things comfortable. You know what I mean? And the European, what they what the European did, and this is no this is no disrespect to to um, you know any way of life or any culture, but you know the Muslims were in control when the Europeans came into the Europeans took the control from uh, from the Moors, man, the North African, the the, the, the Moors out of Spain. That the Muslims were leading the world at that time, man. It said that if Europe would have become, uh, if, if, if the Moors would have taken over all of Europe, Europe would be 500 years ahead of where it is today. So when the Europeans came and they took over that power, they began to take over the world. And their whole goal in taking over the world was not just militarily, uh, with their military, but more importantly with their, um, with, with, them, um, with them crafting the story with them crafting the story. They began to determine what was beauty. They began to determine what, what had value. They began to determine what was uh, important. You know, so that so so mass education began to rise with the European. You know, museums began to increase with the Europe with the European. You know, they 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 were evil geniuses, brother, what they did. They tricked the world in believing that they were God. And when they did that, everything that was closest to them was closest to God. You know, they used religion. The African didn't do that, man. The Africans didn't do that, man. The Muslims did that. You know, um, the Chinese didn't do it, you know, but the European did it. The European was cold. So I understand the European only has been in control, man, for less than 800 years. I mean, they, I mean, the Greeks and the Romans had it, you know, had it at a time. But overall, the Muslims, Baghdad, Mali, Timbuktu, Persia, Iran, the Ottoman Empire, you know what I'm saying? Egypt, you know what I mean? The Mongols, you know what I mean? Like, they had it. So the European is new to power, man, but, man, it's devastating what they've done, for sure. You know, you know, you know what they say, um, uh, like that one line that sticks out to me in our Matrix. When I first saw that movie, it blew my mind. I like, the, like the one that I keep on, like, replaying back was when the guy said, ignorance is bliss. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't want to know. He didn't want to know like what the what that what that blue pill would do. Mm -hmm. And he's like, "Bliss, I'm good. I don't need to know. You know, whatever." Like that turned out to be like turncoat, like the whole the whole the whole story. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I say that to say that, um, the, you know, the more you know, you know, the more that you can grow with that. So like when you bring up um, that that Muslim side of it, like even with slavery, like. Uh, the the the, the trans-saharan slave trade came way before the transatlantic slave trade and that sure. did a lot right there in terms sure. of like all of north africa for sure um, a lot sure. of people that and like they don't like they don't even understand that even to this day like there's modern day slavery um all in all in the Mali empire still for um, sure for sure like, yeah. Trans yeah the trans-saharan took place before the transatlantic and for those who are not familiar, you know, trans just means, you know, across. It just means transportation. So across the Sahara Desert, you know, across the Atlantic. And um, but the Euro the European form of slavery was 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 catastrophic in comparison. Yeah. Um, because what they this was the first time in human history where you could be born a slave. You know what I'm saying? Where slavery transferred from generation to generation. You know, before right. you could you know, get out of slavery, you could pay yourself out. You could, you know, what I'm saying, you could, you know, whatever. But, but slavery is slavery, man. And uh, and the Arabs, the Arabs did a, the Arabs did a, uh, a number two, for sure. 
Yeah, they're definitely, definitely, definitely not innocent. I'll say that. You know, like Heath and I, Heath and I, are based here in Dubai, and um, and it's just funny, like uh, um, uh, being socialized uh, here. It's like you can see they've learned a lot of things from the history of it. Mm. Uh, and then um, growing up in the West, we can see that um, definitely the West has not learned a lot of lessons from that in terms of how they how they how they treat people, as opposed to giving everyone a path to. Uh, uh, a path to realizing their own potential. Um, you know, it's really strange. With that. You know, just like what you said about about how the different kinds of slavery were different. We see right. that in the current current society, how it's different. Because whereas there's still uh, a heavy prejudice, not just not just in, like um, uh, covert, but overt prejudice, and like even systems of racism uh, in the West, uh, that's based on telling people they're less. As opposed to in like um, Eastern society, Muslim societies, you can go from a slave to a king, and it's been done before. Mm-hmm. You know, you sure. you can you can marry into royalty you know, within 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 these Eastern societies. That's 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 like quite interesting. But then again, it comes from a point of like you said before, how long has the Europeans been in power? So do they have a little man complex? Do they have a Napoleon complex of, well, I need to make these other people feel like they're much less because we know that we don't really got it. We got to let them feel like they don't have any power. Cold, cold, that's powerful. Yeah, 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 no, we need to follow up on that. You hit it on the head. Brother Bashir, what did you see along these lines in India? You you recently went to India probably about a year or two ago, and it seemed like you had a, an eye-opening experience. As a matter of fact, uh, you met, you 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 built some relationships because you brought some people uh, back to Cleveland, right? And you had a, an event. Can you speak to that, your experience, and some of the things you learned? Yeah, I went over to India, and uh, I never wanted to go to India. Um, I never, I never was a desire of mine. Even though Indian food is my favorite and Jamaican food, that's like my favorite food. But I just. I don't know. It was something about the energy there, man. I just didn't never want. It never called me to go, even though I I, I went despite my energy. And uh, I got really sick when I was there. I got really sick, man, to the point where I was, man, I was laid out for days, man. Um, because this, it, 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 you know, India is the biggest democracy, and um, it's the most populated uh, place. But after China, and and in a little bit, it's going to be more populated than China. You know what I'm saying? They, they, because China at least has, China has stopped their, um, you know, they have laws on how many children you can have. But India, they, 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 man, you got cities, man. They got eight million people. It's and it's so small, eight million people, man. It's millions. Yes. <laughs> you know, I can see that being a hotbed for viruses, man, and hotbed for, you know, you know. Plus, the heat is crazy, man. But. I had a chance to go there, and I, I, one of the things that really stuck with me, this this right here is what stuck with me. So I visited a slum village, and uh, it was actually a Muslim slum village. So, I mean, this was the most, I mean, I never seen nothing like this, even though I'm sure there's places in America like it, but, I mean, this was like, and, and, and their culture as well, you know, they have, you know, you can't touch no cows there. So cows is just walking past, you walk through the streets, man, you smelling like, smell like a zoo, you know? Um, and it's really muggy and it's really, you know, it's like, it's, it's really intense. So, so I'm talking to the kids in the slum village and I'm like, 
I'm talking through the interpreter. I say, listen, y'all can ask me whatever question you want about America. Whatever you want to know, I'm going to give it to you right now. I don't care what you ask me. You can ask me about whoever, whatever. I'm going to give you my perspective. So she's interpreting it. And then the kids, they bust out laughing. <laughs> she's like, I said, why are they laughing? She said, they never heard of America. <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. They don't know what America is. Never heard of America. They never heard of it. And you know, as you travel the world, man, you got to be careful with that blue passport, man. It can cause arrogance, you know? Yeah. They never heard of America? What you mean, never heard of America, you know? And I said, you know what? It's a blessing. It's a blessing they never heard of America, man. It's a blessing, man. Yeah. Never heard, they, never heard of our, they never heard of our struggles, never heard of our ills. That's a blessing. So as I was going through that society, man, they, they're very, um, um, it makes you appreciate. As you travel, it makes you appreciate actually where you come from. Um, but when I got back, a lot of a lot of the, uh, the politicians and and even future politicians of India, they came to Cleveland to visit me. And uh, when they came, they came through D.C. and they had a choice where to go. They came to Cleveland, and within Cleveland, they had a choice where to go. And they came to my neighborhood, and it was beautiful. And some of them actually did internships with me, and I was just talking to them about the power of community. So whether we like down at City Hall or we planting a tree um or we dealing with the people feeding the people you know maybe i was their only experience with an african-american you know and that stuff sticks with me man and um it was a beautiful experience i learned a lot i don't want to go back but i did learn a lot i'm appreciative and uh why not why don't you want to yeah, go back? Why not? number one india is suffering for what america is suffering right now right now they have a prime minister by the name of modi He's like a Trump. He's just like Trump, man. You know what I mean? He's just like Trump. Right now, the Muslims is being slaughtered in India. You know what I mean? By this uh, this Hindu president. It's basically Hindu nationalist, uh, Indian nationalist, nationalism. That's what he is. So right now, the Muslims in Kashmir, the Muslims in India, they're being slaughtered right now, man. So that's one thing that makes me uncomfortable there. Um... Also, it made me uncomfortable with just the environment. It was just, I just didn't like the environment. The Taj Mahal was beautiful, um, but boy, it's so hot there, man. I bought me a cold bottle of water, brother. And one, man, it's, and man, in two minutes, man, I I poured the water on me, man. That drum was hot, man. It's just hot there, stuffy there. So I ain't really like that. And the food, man, I can't, I can't eat the food, man. So, you know, when you go to different places, man, you want to be able to eat, you want to be able to enjoy. You know, one, you know, Dubai, man, even though it got its issues, you know, it's clean, man, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, you're going to, you know, you, you, you be able to maneuver. You, you got place people that speak English, you know what I'm saying? You can, you can, you can live, you know, you can live, man. I was, I was in El Ain. That's where I went to. Um, I spent time in El Ain, but I went to Dubai and Abu Dhabi, but man, uh, just, just the, the cleanliness is not. You know, it's, it's just not up to par for me, man. So, yeah. I heard they say that um, the India is the is like one of the one places that you can uh, activate all of your senses all at once. You can <laughs> see, smell, taste, hear everything all at the same time. You'll smell the craziest thing. You'll see the craziest thing. You'll hear the weirdest sounds all at the same time. Man, you, you hit it on the head. I never said it. I never even expressed it like that, but that makes total sense. Uh, but you know, um, but everything is for some people is, is really nice, man. For me, 
Um, I, it just wasn't something I like. Uh, I, I I enjoyed. But yeah. Do you re- do you remember um, what was the uh, program you spoke at in our lane in the UAE? Um, there was a group. There was a group of African American Muslims, and they do a um like a yearly like reunion. Right. And um, they asked me to come speak. Many of them were from Brooklyn. They grew up with my mother. I'm a third generation Muslim. My grandparents was Muslim. Mother and father Muslim. Um, so uh, a lot of people, if they from Brooklyn, they're from New York, particularly Brooklyn. You know, they were Muslim, and their and their, and their parents are Muslim. Then you know, our families probably know each other, and um, because it was a small community growing up, my grandparents became Muslim in the 70s, and um, so there's a small group of Black Muslims that 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 are familiar with one another. And um, and uh, I'm happy to be a part of that uh, that tribe, man. Is that Nation of Islam or or? Um... Great question. You know, they had a stint with the Nation of Islam, but but there was a, a group called a movement called Dar es Salaam, and Dar es Salaam was the movement that many of them who either they left nation and created, you know, to try to come to a, a closer um, Sunni Sunni perspective. Which uh, I do my quotations because, um, you know, as we studying Islam, uh, I, I'm doing my thesis right now, which is very controversial. My thesis is the Nation of Islam is the most impactful Muslim movement of America in American history. So those who you know practice Islam and they're Sunnis, they will say, well, Bashir, the nation is not Muslim. You know, for those who are like, you know, the, the the beliefs, the core beliefs are different. The foundation of it is different, and um, which I can understand the point clearly. But I'm, I'm I guess I'm making a bigger point, which is there's always been Muslims throughout Islamic history that had some difference of theology. Okay. You know, some difference. Now it may not. It, 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 so, and some were as extreme. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing my research to show that. But what the Nation of Islam did for America and for the world, no, no. So if I can get you to just get past that for one second about them not being Muslim, if I can get you to accept that Muslims have always had some difference of theology, then what other Muslim movement have produced a Muhammad Ali? What other Muslim movement has produced a Malcolm X, a Sister Clara Muhammad? What Muslim movement has impacted its community of people who are not Muslims? What Tell me what Muslim person could call a million people to D.C. and they come. Three what, times. what Muslim movement could uh, um, inspire hip-hop in the way that it did? What, what Muslim movement did that? So Nation of Islam has impacted the entire world through hip-hop, through, through Muhammad Ali, through Malcolm X. Um, so I think that's important to recognize. So I was, uh, I'd say 2014, 2015, I worked in a school in Alain where you, where you were, where you spoke. And um, I brought up the Nation of Islam to maybe five or six of my Islamic teachers. I had a staff of uh, 14 Islamic studies teacher, teachers. And I was lounging with them in their uh, their teacher's room. And we topping it up. And I said, are, are you guys familiar with Minister Farrakhan? 
mm-hmm. and they they weren't. You know, I tried. I asked you know a couple follow up questions. They had no idea. And I said, "Are you familiar with the Nation of Islam in America?" And none of them were. And these were my Islamic studies teachers. Mm-hmm. And I was really taken back the fact that they had never heard of. They had no no type of knowledge at all. So um, then we got into, and I think this was on another conversation, we got into terrorism in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And I asked about ISIS. Man, only two in the room knew what that was. Wow. So there's another word for it called Desh, D-A-E-C-H or D-A-E-S-H. And they call the terrorism Daesh or Desh. So when they found when I finally conveyed to them what I meant by terrorism or Islamic terrorism, they go, "Oh, Desh, Desh, that's not that's not Islam. Those people crazy. Those are just those are just crazy people. They didn't look at it as Islamic extremism, Islamic terrorism, or anything. They just looked at it as like we would look at the Crips and the Bloods." They didn't even they didn't even look at it the way we look at it. They said, "Oh, those those are just." It would be like uh, a Christian church saying, "Those Crips and Bloods need to come to church and, and and hear the word of God." They're 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 lost. So they didn't even look at them as lost Muslims. They just looked at them as some crazy dudes. And it was very interesting. So, I would love for you to. Uh, you still writing that thesis? I am. I'm still working on it. Yes, sir. I'm going to connect you to a couple people over here. It would be great for you to uh, get some, you know, do some of your research and have some conversations with some of these guys. To get their, I would like that. To get their perspective, you know, and then if I can send you any articles that are not, a, you read you read Arabic? Uh, I, can, I can read it. Um, I can read it, not fluently, but I can read it. But it will, on Google, it'll be translated anyway. You can translate it. Right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to maybe even, I'm going to connect you with a couple people and then I'll find you because that would be great to add to your thesis, man. For sure, for sure, for sure. I mean, that's just denial, man. I wanted to touch on, um, I, I put up a post yesterday about Martin Luther King. Um, like, I found this speech, or like, you know, heard about it, and I researched it a bit, and it's called the, it's called, it's called the Vietnam, a Vietnam War speech. Uh, excuse me, beyond, beyond Vietnam. And pretty much within that, it's a uh, very controversial, because obviously, like, um, people, people just say, like, you know, Malcolm was extreme, they kind of say, like, you know, it was like, you know, came or what happened, but I don't think they read the before, because this specifically pointing the finger and uh, it's a direct quote. Like he says that the greatest purveyor of violence in the world today is the United States. And that was based around Vietnam time. So um, the government and powers that be really wanted to blackball him. This is one year prior to his assassination. So they really wanted to blackball him and say, well, whoa, whoa, this is not the good Negro that we know that like came to the White House and like met with the president and you know, like, you know, marches peacefully, these kind of things, this is going to rile people up, like calling us out for who we are kind of thing. Uh, the entire speech is like a diatribe going on, like, going on, like, uh, really going hard on that point. 
of that the U.S. is really perpetrating uh, a colony, an American colony in Vietnam, you know, so to speak. Um, so I think a lot of it does come from perspective, like you mentioned earlier, Bashir, of like, well, how are we looking at this? And if we're looking at it from the standpoint of there's much more to everyone's story and there's many more facets to someone, like you brought up Minister Farrakhan earlier even, some people might look at him as just a controversial figure in one sense, but there's many facets of him in terms of being that kind of uh, a uniting figure to do the Million Man March. Not many people would be able to do such a thing. So uh, we really do have to look at these, at these uh, figures that are like, you know, we call leaders and say, well, how are they contributing to our, to our overall view? And, um, you know, delivering something for us, like, you know, make us more men and more women. You know, human beings have many different facets. And sometimes we want to put people in the box that makes us comfortable. And Dr. King, as you as you study Dr. King, he was becoming closer and closer to Malcolm, and Malcolm was becoming closer and closer to him. And they were, I mean, listen, you don't reach, uh, spiritual texts tell you that uh, you don't become a man until 40. Right? So this, this wasn't a, this wasn't a um, you know, a, a um, this wasn't a, a, a. This was this was this was put together perfectly, man. You know what I mean? That that Malcolm or Martin or Pac, for that matter, wasn't able to reach their spiritual level of manhood. So you know, Malcolm was becoming more and more uh, embracing of what Islam teaches, which is it's not about the color, but about the character. While at the same time, making it clear that if the white man were to embrace Islam then maybe it can move him away from his, his racist behavior. And Martin, Martin was like, listen, you know, um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm bringing my people into a burning, a burning house, man, what he called it, you know, in, in regards to fighting for integration. When he went to Chicago and spent time there, he saw racism that he ne never experienced um, as he experienced even in the South. When he went up to Chicago and spent time there for, for fighting for, you know, housing rights. And white folks in Chicago, man, gave him hell. And, and the black people as well. So uh, not just his work in the, in, in, in the Vietnam piece, but look, look back at that letter. The letter from Birmingham jail. I mean, he made some powerful statements, man, to say, basically, my biggest enemy is not the KKK. My biggest enemy are pastors and Christian ministers, white and black, who are telling me to be patient, who are telling me not right now, who are telling me this ain't the time. Many people say march with Dr. King, man, but in reality, most churches that he went to, black and white, most cities that he went to, uh, churches black and white did not allow him to, to preach in, 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 uh, in their churches uh, because they was very afraid, which I understand, I mean, most people are. But Dr. King was a special being, man, and, and, and honestly, uh, I think he is the greatest orator, man, that, that America has seen, man. I mean, he was a he was prophetic, man, with words and what he said. I mean, this guy was on a whole other level. Um, but when you look at Martin and Malcolm, you have to look at what I, I have a theory called the 4E theory to explain who they were. Number one, you have to look at environment. Dr. King was from the South. You know what I'm saying? He was from the South. If you ain't never heard of Northern hospitality, 
but you heard of Southern hospitality, right? So he was from the South, so, so he had a different demeanor. Malcolm was from Omaha, Nebraska. I've been to Omaha, man, spoke at Creighton University, man, and it's cold there, brother, it's cold. So he was just from a cold environment. So here in Cleveland, man, when it's cold, McDonald's, they just throw your food in the car. Hey, man, I ain't trying to, we ain't, they don't want to say hi, they don't want to say nothing. Hey, man, what's good? Hey, man, we keep it moving. It's too cold. You know what I'm saying? Davey, you know what I'm talking about, man. So, you know, so that was the environment is different. Um, the next part is education. Dr. King was a Morehouse man. His father was a Morehouse man. His grandfather was a Morehouse man. Malcolm, his education was from the streets, from jail. You know what I'm saying? And, and, his education also came from his father. He was, he was, he was, uh, you know, pro-black. His father was a Garveyite, a Baptist minister for the for the Garveyites. So he'd been heard, you know, he had already heard this idea of going back to Africa, that the white man is doing this, and he had been hip to that prior to the nation, right? So education played a part in this. Um, so environment, education, exposure. When Malcolm was exposed to Mecca, he had a different perspective. And, his, and not just Mecca, not just Mecca. When he was going to sit with those African uh, African sheikhs, man, he going up to places like Morocco and Ghana and so forth and so on, he started getting, uh, he started realizing that the fight was an international fight, right? So that changed his perspective. And when Martin went to Chicago, when he started fighting in the North, Martin started, his, 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 his perspective began to expand. And lastly, man, uh, environment, education, exposure, and experiences, man, experiences. Malcolm's experiences made him who he was. Martin's experiences made him who they were. So they began to, as life went on, they began to come closer in ideology. And that ideology was clearly that black people needed to be free, that racism was a real thing, but in order for us to be free, Integration is not necessarily the key, um, but economic, political freedom is the key. Yes, that's my perspective. Wow, forty theories, very, very powerful, man. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you yeah. so much, man. So, if we could yeah, put a, uh, I want to transition to to domestic in a minute, but I would like to add and put a period on that because um, what you said is a lot and. Man, it was yeah. great listening, and uh, I thought about so many things. First is, uh, Dandy, when you were talking about the Vietnam speech, um, that's essentially what got him assassinated, Dr. King. For sure. Um, what they say? They, um, uh, Lyndon Johnson, after that speech, brought Martin in, and um, you know they had it out. They had their, their uh, discussion, and he pulled his, uh, his secret service. Uh, he, he had uh, Martin had government security. They pulled his mm -hmm. government security after the Vietnam speech. So that's where the speculation is that okay, it's time to take take him out. Wow. The other thing, uh, Councilman Brother Jones, man, um, the Southern Poverty Poverty Law Center has been taking surveys for a number of years, and uh, they had some data that Dr. King had a 68% or I'm sorry, a 33% or 32% approval rating amongst black Christians. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. <laughs> so all this, all this song and dance about Dr. King was this, Dr. King was that. As far as our generation, what we learned, <laughs> the baby boomers didn't mess with him all like that at all. Okay, so when those girls, those babies got burned up in that church, and when those bodies was found in that garbage dump, they were blaming all of that stuff on Dr. King and his movement. Wow. Yes. So. Um, they called him a rabble rouser, a troublemaker, and I'm, like you said, we did. Black people mm -hmm. did. And um, they also said uh, he was basically a modern day how, how, how people depict Al Sharpton. Mm -hmm. That's what Dr. King was. To, to, to well, he was. He, well, 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 I, I, I don't want to compare Sharpton to, to Dr. King. Not at all. Yeah. But, but but the the negative Dr. King, Dr. King never was a uh, government informant. A government informant, exactly. Yeah, it, it, yeah. But but this dude, what I meant by is the vitriol and the negative sentiments by black people. Oh right, right, right. In right, the right. South. The same with Malcolm X. Southern Southern blacks didn't mess with Malcolm. Right. At all. Like they, they were anti Malcolm X. So when we grew up through hip hop and we start learning about Malcolm and we were rocking our ex-hats and, and, and you know, people working yeah. up to the, to the nation of Islam and finding knowledge itself, that was kind of celebrated, but. Definitely, definitely. During Malcolm's time, he, was, he, wasn't, he wasn't celebrating that. It was after his death that we began to love Malcolm the way that we love him for sure. But I just want to say, you know, I mean, and, I, and I'm not talking down about Reverend Shelton or anybody who has dedicated their lives He's dedicated his life to, um, you know, what I'm saying to to, to 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 justice, and I'm sure he's, you know, whatever. But, you know, um, you know that government informant piece, man, really, um, you know, rocked a lot of people, you know. And Dr. King, Dr. King was a revolutionary man. I mean, his ability to be able to, you know, go. I mean, can you imagine going to spaces, man? And they say, he say, listen, man, if you get hit, don't get hit back, man. Yo, that's some, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, man, that's some courage, man. I, I couldn't do it. Have I you ever, have you ever seen the, uh, the, the video? It's, it's actually not a video. It's a still photo, but it's a picture of Malcolm X in a room with uh, Cointel Pro, and it's a recording. So it's a still picture, but the recording, and it's basically. Oh yeah. You, you saw that. Oh yeah, I heard it, man. That joint is crazy. I mean, Malcolm man, was just Malcolm was just ahead of his time. I mean, they both were, man. They were special human beings, man. I love how he stood tall because he was the only melanated person in the room, and they were basically it willing to give him whatever he wanted to sell out everybody, and he stood tall. So, have you seen? Have you got, got a chance to see uh, who shot Malcolm X? I'm all halfway through. I'm watching it now. Man, I got a lot of family in Newark. So a lot of family in Philly, man. Those, those, yeah, man, yeah. And I looked at Sunni. I looked at Sunni Muslims. Never trusted Jersey. Growing up in New York, we ain't never trusted Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little different, man. Jersey, you know, Newark, man. They, Newark, man, is a different, different energy, man. They, they got a, a strong culture, um, strong Muslim culture in Jersey, Newark, East Orange. You know what I'm saying, and um, man, I, I love being I love being there, man. But you know, after watching that, who shot Malcolm? Even the quote unquote Sunni Muslims, man, who 
I don't even want to tell you, Heath. I don't even want to, like, I got to let you finish it, man. I ain't going to, like, break it down to you, man. But it's just, watch it. But, watch but, it. But you got to watch it. But one part of this that I liked about it, well, that's sad, rather, of how of how many agents was around, man. This brother was surrounded, man. Yeah, yeah. So so was Martin. Yeah. Yeah, Martin. Yeah. Martin. But with Malcolm, man, like, yeah. it was agents on top of agents, agents. man. Yeah. Some agents didn't even know other agents was there. It was crazy, man. It was, he ain't had no chance, brother. He ain't have a chance, brother. And he knew that. Yeah, he knew I, can't, it. I can't wait to get to that part. I'm actually at that part right now. He's he's already okay. been he's already been assassinated. So I'm past that part. Okay, okay so let oh. me be quiet. I'm gonna let you be a thing. Yeah. It's been amazing uh, so far, and like obviously, like you know, as your as your 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 topic, you know, for like um, your degree is 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 it gonna be on this? I can't wait to like you know read it for sure. And I hope and I hope a lot of the stuff that we're talking about now. Is included, particularly that parallel between those two, you know, those two strong figures. Um, I wanted to uh, change gears a bit. Number one, uh, thank you so much for everyone being in the room. Uh, you know, give a shout out to a couple people here that like we know quite well. Brother William, thank you so much for being here. William Stenhouse, um, uh, you know, of course, our people Dave out there, you know, thank you for being here, brother. Uh, Miss Jeans, thank you all the way from Kenya, you know, what I mean, checking us out. Thank you, baby. Thank you for being here. Um, uh, one brother had a question. S. Bolden had a, had a um, uh, sorry, a comment. Uh, he was saying uh, we often radicalize uh, Baz, you know, me and Malcolm X, uh, but King was willing to die for his nonviolence. That's radical. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. So, like, you know, appreciate the comment. You know, feel free to use the comment section. That often doesn't get used. Feel free to use that. Uh, we do read those. Um, I wanted to say, Bashir, uh, tell us about your music influence. Yeah, because uh, you know, like we 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 had to take a deep dive into your into your Instagram and uh, you know saw some freestyle, some floats, you know, so you had some skills. So, so you know, you tell us about like who influenced you musically and like what you use your music for now. Hmm. Hmm. Question. I never had that question asked before, man. Um. But you know, the last poets. I, I think. I think. I think that. It wasn't just musicians that influenced me, but even for me, like Malcolm was a, a rapper, man, and Martin was a, a poet, you know? Um, as far as poetry goes, man, I love Rumi, Jalaluddin Rumi. Um, I love uh, uh, I, the Quran is poetry to me. Um, you know, uh, you know the great speakers, man, Marcus Garvey, man, Carter G. Woodson, you know, uh, you know David Walker. Harriet Tubman, you know, they all lived out poetry to me. They, their lives was poetic for me. Um, you know, last the last poets, you know, you know, the white man has a god complex. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> last yeah. poets, man. Amazing. Uh, you know, H. H. Rap Brown. You know, uh, my mother. Uh, of course, Pac. Um, and the, the new influences, man. Rick Ross, man. Uh, Drake. You know Kendrick, J. Cole, Rhapsody. You know they're just just amazing, amazing artists. Dave, you know what I'm saying in Cleveland. You know um, for real, Connie. Stun, uh, these are people that's in Cleveland, man. That really influenced me. Who I know that they are saying what they they're saying what they're doing, the thing how they're living, and just growing up in the growing up in in my city, man. Growing up in 
Uh, it's all poetry. It's a, it's a blank canvas that has the potential to be a masterpiece. So when I, I my anger, my anger began to be translated in poetry instead of translated in violence. I would take my frustrations out on a pen and paper, and and uh, it's a blessing, man. You know, melody would come out, not in the form of song, but in the form of words. And I look at poetry and hip hop as for me, bubblegum flavor medicine, man. Mm. Like the people need the medicine, but sometimes you gotta put it in a flavor that they can understand and relate to. So if I'm in the streets, man, I'm in the streets, I'm in Chicago and Cabrini Greens, or I'm in Brooklyn and in, in, in Brownsville, or I'm in LA and Compton and Watts. If I'm in, you know what I'm saying, Florida and Miami Dade, or if I'm in uh, Boston, man, in the, in the, in the section where, where, Malcolm, where Malcolm grew up, or I'm in, DC on Georgia Avenue or you know I'm in um, I'm in I'm in uh, you know Dallas Texas man or if I'm in wherever I'm in wherever wherever marginalized people are being hurt and are living for me is is, a, is, is poetry so I go there and before I even speak before I even give you my perspective I gotta spit a poem for you let me speak some poetry for you so you can understand and relate that I've also I've, I'm also translating this trauma and I'm able to translate this trauma into something creative. And you also have the ability to translate trauma to creativity, you know? And uh, once I do that, then the door is open for me and I'm able to speak to their hearts and I'm, then they trust me, right? Because they recognize that I've been where they are or I am where they are. And if I'm able to translate my pain into creativity, then you can also translate your pain and your trauma into creativity. And I'm not better than you. I'm not better than you. I'm with you. I'm in the trenches with you. I'm hungry with you. I'm in this pain with you. And and, and here in Cleveland, uh, Brother Marlon, here in Cleveland, man, you know, I'm that person in Cleveland, you know, when a family son is murdered. I'm the person that they call when an injustice takes place. I'm the person that is lead is leading that. You know, that has been my my position. But I don't want that to forever be my position in a sense of being on the front line in that way. I wanna my goal is to inspire and motivate and help create a new generation that can take that position. You know, and um that's my goal, man. That's my goal every day to get closer to the creator. And Islam is my foundation, man. You know, Islam is my foundation. Islam is the reason why I do and move the way I move. And it gives me the courage to be in these spaces that other people don't want to be. So I'm thankful to the creator, man. And, um, you know, we always say that we, you know, H. Rap Brown, he, he calls me often. Him and I, we talk often. When I won the election, you know, when I won, when I became councilman, I became the first Muslim in Cleveland's history to get in that position. So H. Rap Brown called me. For those who are not familiar with H. Rap Brown, Imam Jamal Alameen, one of the founders of, or one of the leaders of SNCC, Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, right there with Kwame Ture, Stokely Carmichael, right there with, you know, right in the mix, like that. And he called me, he said, hey, Bashir, man. He said, hey, man, that's how you talk. Hey, man, listen, man. The most racist white person is a black person, man. I was like, I was like, dang, oh man, you know what I'm saying? He said, hey man, the most racist white person is, the most racist white person is a black person, man. He said, be careful, man. 
Be careful, man. He said, hey, man, most people, they doing all that talking, man. They can't stand the frisk, man. They can't even stand the frisk, man. They can't even beat themselves, man. Don't you worry about it, man. You stay strong. What you need, man? I said, what you need? What you need, Imam? I mean, you, I'm, he said, hey, man, I'm good. As long as I can pray, I'm good, man. I'm good, man. <laughs> you know? So this is like, the, this is the cloth I come from, man. These the cloth I come from, man. And, uh, you know, that's I like, that's like, saying, uh, that's like saying all skin folk gang kin folk. That's it, man. That's it, man. He said, hey, man, the more racist white people is black people, man. Be careful, man. That's deep. That's, deep. <laughs> that's cold, man. My greatest opposition has been people look like me, beloved. Please. Right. Right. Unfortunately, unfortunately. Wow, respect, man. Thanks for for sharing that. You have a, you know, I don't want to call it heavy, but I'll use that as a word because I can't find. But you have a lot of lifting, a lot of heavy lifting, man. How do you stay healthy? I heard uh, Dr. Layla Africa. Uh, he just passed away last month, and yeah. also. Um, Dr. Cornell West, they both have uh, warned all of us to make sure we stay healthy as we, you know, lift while we climb and while we're doing our work. How, what do you, how do you stay healthy, man? You know, when I, when I spent some, I spent some time with uh, Dr. Cornell West, I had a chance to have a, um, a moment with him. And he said something very powerful to me, man, about, about family. And um, making sure that while you're trying to take care of the world, you don't forget the galaxy within. You don't forget your galaxy. I've heard him say that, yeah. So, yeah, man. So my, my children, and I have three children, man. And um, they, they, my, they're, man, they're, they, man. They bring me so much peace. I, mean, I got a strong, strong family, strong inner circle, um, strong group of soldiers. I, I got a strong movement within my own just personal you know, uh, who do amazing job and just keeping me prayed up, man. They make sure I'm eating right, make sure I'm drinking enough water, make sure that my mind is right. But you know what, Heath, man? I had to get to a space in my life, and it happened at 33. It happened at the age 33, where something came over me to say, you know what? I no longer accept the world's perspective of me. Mm. I no longer accept it because what we do is we take other people's perspective of us and we apply it to our own lives whether it's a woman that you with you know who says you know uh, and, and you know and our, and our sisters have been have experienced trauma man you know and and, and, and ain't nothing worse than a, a man with trauma and a woman with trauma unhealed trauma and they don't know how to heal and they just bashing and killing each other and hurting each other and then produce children with trauma who grow up and uh, express trauma, you know, and the, the cycle doesn't stop. So my whole life, I never wanted to be my father. I never wanted to be a politician. I never wanted to be a rapper. I never wanted to be none of that. The only goal I had was not to be my father because he wasn't there. He didn't take care of me. He wasn't there, blah, 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 blah. And then uh, I was spending time with, uh, there's a chief, uh, a chief from, from Ghana, he from the Atakwa village in, in Ghana, West Africa. Him and a, a man by the name of Doctor uh, Kwa Whitaker, David Whitaker. He he's a um, he's a chief. He's a honorary chief in in Ghana, West Africa. So they came to Cleveland and they uh, I became an honorary member of the Atakwa village. And he looked at me. He said, "The moment that you realize 
that just waking up, you're different than your father, you'll be okay. And that rocked me, man. That rocked me. Because that was my only mission in life. Don't want to be like my father. Don't want to be the father to my children that my father was to me. Don't want to da 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 da. Don't want to be the father. Don't want to be the husband that my father was. Don't want to be the father. Don't want to be the man that my father was. I was just like, that was my vibe, man, for my old, my old like, till 33. And when he said that, brother, it woke me up, brother. It woke me up. When he said that, just waking up, you different than your father. And you don't have to even try to be different from your father because you're not him. And that freed me, man. That freed me. So people, you know, if I if I had a, a toxic woman in my life who, who, who made a statement and said, you know, you, you're going to be just like your father. It would hurt me. I'm just being real with you right now, man. That would hurt me, man. And, it, and, it, and it'll almost like, it'll almost like um, put me in check, so to speak. Yeah. Because the person would know that that's not something that I desire. Mm -hmm. So brothers and sisters, we got to be careful about being in toxic relationships because you will be affected by their perspective of you, by their perspective of you. And when I got free, when I stopped caring about people's perspective of me, when I got free, that joint felt so good. I just had a new epiphany too. This was happened a couple days ago. This epiphany, I woke up and a, and a voice said to me, Everyone on your journey will not finish it with you. That joint rocked me, man. Because I have some, I'm having some, I had some epiphanies within my own inner circle that I had to become a snake charmer, man. Because I didn't realize it was some snakes in the circle. So now I got to become a, don't just cut their heads off. You got to become the snake charmer. And I'm a loyal person, man. So I'm always like, I want my people to be with me, man. Come on, man. Let's go, man. Listen, you don't see what I see. Just roll with me, man. I see it. We're going to change the world. Blah, 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 blah. Something hit me. Said, hey, man. Everybody that's on the journey won't finish it with you. Yo, that joint freed me, man. Because you can't climb the mountain with so much baggage. At some point, you're going to have to let that baggage go. And sometimes we be in company of people who really don't want to go with you, but just don't want to miss the fun. <laughs> they don't want to miss the fun. They don't want to miss the fun. Or they don't can want I to. Add, can Come I on. add? Can I add? That's okay. Now that's okay. you said you said you said not everybody this this uh, uh on the journey is gonna finish with you. I, I just want to add to that point, and that's okay. Because some people okay. might think that, that that's that's like a that's like a negative thing or like. Oh, you know, that was my people. We come up together. I got to bring everybody with me. I don't want to sell out. You know, like there was all, like, you know what I mean? Everybody with me. No, it's okay to leave people behind. If they're not, if they're not building you up, then, you know, you just like hanging out for nothing. Like you said, don't want to miss the fun. When they you don't like, yo, this fun. is not about fun. This is about like a sustained uh, vision and, 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 and like building generational uh, uh prosperity not 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 popping bottles today only come on man come on man come on or you know you might have people around you man who just don't like the don't like the energy that you're receiving and feel like they deserve to get the energy in the quran in the quran god tells adam uh bow down to adam and in the islamic perspective satan says god is telling satan bow down to adam and Satan says in Arabic, he says, Ana minhu. 
He says, I'm better than him. You created me from fire. You created him from dirt, from mud. You know? So this envy and jealousy of people who want to be in your position because they feel that they deserve it. But the fact that they think they deserve it is a sign that they don't deserve it. That's the sign in itself. The fact that somebody is looking at you, what you're doing, and they believe that they should be in that spot is a sign that they don't deserve to be in that spot. You know, and, and as a result, they won't even, and as a result, even if they were in that spot, <laughs> they won't even recognize it because they're so busy looking at the spot that you in. Yes, man. So you got to be careful, man. So, but I do want to say this because I do want to say this. I know all of this is like theory and existential and stuff, but let me just talk to you a little bit briefly about what we're doing in the community in a political position and why politics is power and why is it you know uh so important for people to understand you know when i became a councilman one of the issues here in cleveland you have a majority black city you wouldn't think so um because of the people that's in power but or, or because of the suffering of black people but the majority of the city 60 percent of the city as black people, black and brown people, black, Latino, all right? So why not? Why don't we have, you know, this, uh, you know, one blade of grass don't make the lawn look greener. Don't make the lawn look greener. So one of my goals was making sure that there were more black developers, right? Not just, not just black people holding a construction sign, but black architects. Black developers. Right now in my ward, I have four major projects and three of them are minorities. One of them are, two of them are black women and one of them are, is a black man. Development companies. And that's huge in Cleveland because it's always been dominated by white men. So one of the things I wanted to do was change the economics, the, uh, the, 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 the access to resources. So that was the first thing. Another thing that we've begun to do is, that we're doing rather, is turning Ward 7 into a um, um, open air art museum. So as you walk, as you drive through Ward 7 and you walk through it, you're starting to see more art up. W.E.B. Du Bois, he said that art is propaganda. It has the ability to wake people up out of their sleep. So on, on, on an energy box, you might see a young chocolate black girl and it says on her shirt, you know, protect me, you know? Or you may have a, a photo of, um, uh, a father and son playing chess. You may have a photo of a Trayvon Martin, a photo of a Tamir Rice, you know, a photo of, you know, a black girl, you know, with her mother putting a, a crown on her, right? So turning, letting art be in the community and we got like 10 more pieces that's getting ready to go up after this, after the economy opens back up. Another thing is about just changing the culture. Now, now uh, I'm walking around, Man, kids run up to me. Hey, Councilman, hey, Bashir, look at my report card, man. They know that when they come to me, they're going to get something. Whether it's a dollar in my pocket, whether it's a hug, you know what I'm saying? Whether it's a free bike, they're going to get something for being great. You're not going to just get attention for doing wrong. You're going to get attention for doing the right thing. All right. We also have had major investments in recreation centers. I'm not going to tell my youngins to stay off the corner but I don't have a nice place to send them to. So we've, we've, we're investing millions and millions of dollars in recreation centers and in parks that are going up. I've only been in office, brother, for two and a half years. Only two and a half years. So what I'm showing people is politics can be impactful 
can be powerful, but you have to have the right people in position. And and that's why, man, this next this next mayoral election, man, uh, for Cleveland, I'll be running for mayor. Did you announce that? No, I that's haven't. Heavy. So that's between that's between Cleveland and Dubai. Right here, right here. Yeah, on, 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 on Global Brothers Podcast. Okay. That's for Cleveland, Dubai, and Kenya, man. So no Make no some noise and Kenya. <laughs> yeah. Wow, fantastic. Fantastic. Who is the question in our comment in our comment section? Heath, you wanna you wanna address the question there? Yeah, let me get over here. Um so uh Financial Unity asks, please ask uh Bashir what are his three to five year goals? Where does he mm. see himself in the next five years? I think you might answer that. <laughs> yeah, 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 I pray. Hey, listen. Either I'll be uh, in, in, in the mayor, or I'll be in uh, be in Kenya, man. Uh, it's either it's either it's either that, uh, going back to Africa, or uh, be the mayor. But I think that we have a, a, a good opportunity to to be successful. I think that Cleveland has so much potential, man. But when you look at you know Atlanta, Georgia, for example, and look at what Maynard Jackson did for Atlanta. If you ever been to Atlanta, you've seen black wealth. Here in Cleveland, if somebody driving a Rolls Royce. I can call them because I know exactly who it is. You know what I mean? But in Atlanta, man, hey, man, there's so much black wealth going through Atlanta. So why is that? Maynard Jackson played a major role in that as the mayor of the city. He made sure you can't do no business unless a certain percentage goes to minorities, right? He called all the banks. You got to make sure you have a certain amount of people on your board that look like the people of the city. And he did that. And what that did was create generational wealth. That's what we got to do in Cleveland, man. We have to, you know, you, you, you have a majority black city, but then you got majority of the banks that are ran by. And I'm not saying white people are not good or nothing. I'm not saying, I'm not believing, and I'm not saying all black people are good. What I'm saying is, is that you, we have to have more representation. Um, so uh, financial unity, uh, you know, I just, you know, hopefully, man, I get your support. And I'm hoping my brother Dave, man, he, uh, he, uh, 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 uh you know, create the instrumental. Hey Heath, man, how yeah, long you? How yeah. long, man? How long would you? Would you? Hey, man, you gotta get with Dave. You gotta, <laughs> man. This brother is special, brother. I'm telling you, brother. He's special, brother. So, so I'll take a quick moment, Dave. Before you got on, I told the story about when Bashir was in Atlanta and in Dubai, and we finally met. And we had, I had first text Bashir when I was with you in Cleveland maybe 2010, 2011, and then I didn't meet him until 2014, 2015, here in Dubai. Um, but this story here is deep because um, after, well, actually, yeah, after we met here in Dubai, I, I had been wanting you to uh, connect with Dave around 2017, because he had performed, he had performed in my wedding. And when he performed, when he performed in the wedding, that had launched his his music career. And I knew you were in the music, and I knew you were an influential figure in in, in, in uh, the land. So Dave and I had numerous conversations, man. And um, all I had was your, your your phone number just to text you, you know. And I knew you were busy. I mean, you were in the middle of a a, a, a council city council race, and I'm hitting send like. Hey man, you got to hook up with my man Dave. <laughs> you know, so it was, it was crazy. And then Dave, you take it from there. How you guys finally met? 
I mean, it was definitely divine, man. Um, like like Bashir said, when you when you're in the city, it, most times if you are somebody, you know, the city gets that much smaller. You know, everybody knows somebody that is somebody. You know what I mean? So we knew a lot of the same people, man. And uh, it's, it's so many times we were in the same room and uh it, it was just constant confirmation that it, it's gonna happen you know what i mean uh, i'm not one of those real aggressive dudes where we're out like you know what i mean we in the room and i'm like hey man can i get five minutes of your time brother guys that ain't you know what i mean i'm more of a laid back i'm gonna peep the scene and you know most times i think my shit gonna tell you wherever he goes it's, a, it's a, a, a multitude of people like, hey, can I get your ear for a minute? Hey, can I talk to you? Hey, can I, you know what I mean? So it was, um, it's, I finally stepped out of my comfort zone a little bit and asked somebody to um, make the connection, but um, they were unsuccessful. I don't even know if they ever reached out to him or not, but they kind of were just like, man, he busy right now. He kind of do, they were kind of speaking for him. So I was just like, you know, that's cool. I, I just the mere fact that I'm constantly thinking about it, I'm constantly saying it. You know, I'm a firm believer in, in what comes out of our mouths will manifest, man. So I, I literally, I, I faithfully spoke it um, weekly, man. If not, if not daily, man. And, and lo and behold, uh, a guy that I work with musically, Bruce, was like, "Yeah, man, Bosch. That's what we call him, Bosch. That's my guy, man. That's a, you know, you know, our Bruce talk." So um, Bruce sends him, I think it was the revolution, I think. Mm. And um, you know, not a lot of people really hip to the revolution. And and now that he just made that mayoral announcement, I think I'm gonna hold the revolution. Man. I think that's the I think that's the soundtrack for the run. Man. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit that one on the, I'm gonna put that one in the freezer, man, for now. Um. And, and that's how we end up colliding. He was having a uh, voter registration uh, thing at his, at his at his center, and I'm standing. We're both in the same room. We still haven't shook palms. Still haven't met. Still having nothing. You know, he walks in. Just when he walks in, you know, you feel his energy. You feel his presence. But you know me, like I'm still a cool guy. So I'm in the cut, chilling. You know. What I mean? <laughs> And uh, finally, Bruce like, yo, that's Dave right there. Then he looked, and he looked again like, oh, snap, this my man, Keith, right? I was like, yeah, from Dubai, like, oh, brother. You know what I mean? And man, from there, it was crazy. Then he uh, he made me the the, the grand finale, man, of, of the event. And, man, we tore it down, man. We, we tore it down. And I, Man, listen, hey, hey, Heath, man, when Dave started singing, brother, I swear to God, brother, I was crying, brother. I was crying, man, because God do everything for a reason. I was really going through a serious struggle, man. And when my brother got on the microphone and started singing, man, I, I felt like I felt like so emotional, man. Uh, it was it was such a beautiful. It, it was you know it was so beautiful, man. How it how you know we finally, man. You know, you know, united, man. I mean, the souls have already been connected, but it was, it was amazing how we was able to unite, and um, man, and we, you know, been we've been locked in ever since, man. So, 
Yeah, man, his brother right here, man. Special brother, man. He is special spirit. And, you know, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, he said, we, we, we're not a physical being having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a physical experience. So when you meet certain people, you're like, yo, I know you, man. Like, like I know you, man. Like, you know, no, I know you, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, the souls know. The souls know. That's you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, like right. we was talking in the flesh, but our spirits were dapping up at the same time. <laughs> you know, what I mean? it, was, it was a mutual dap, man. It was, it was crazy. <laughs> when I touch on before you gotta go, brother. Um, the uh, the uh, motivation aspect of of uh, a person and 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 say, like, you know, what makes you up. Um, that whole be the chain leadership theory. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, man. You know, I, I created something before I got into council. Um, you know, I was a consultant in the schools and I created uh, a series, a leadership series. And it's like a 25 week leadership series where I would go into a school and every week I would talk to the students about a different leadership quality patience, persistence, and love, and da 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 da. And then also look at leaders from across the spectrum, from all faiths, from all cultures, and be like, yo, man, they know different from you. Just because you're here, it don't mean that you can't be where you want to be. But the question is where you want to be. Where you going? What you trying to accomplish? You know, that's what, that's what, um, and it, it was very successful, man. It's very successful and it's a blessing, man. So, you know, I, I definitely want to get back to that that statement that we said that we talked about um about the three to five years if i can just go to that the goal really man is how do i impact the city of cleveland and and, and ultimately impact the world because we know that every day that we wake up though we are happy that we've woken you know we're taking a, a one step closer to the grave um to the to physical death um so my my question always is how can i live long after my this, this 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 spaceship goes back into the earth you know and legacy. um legacy man I'm, I, I think about that every day i talk to my children i have a whole tribe man so i was like you know i have a bunch of children man i have a bunch of nieces and nephews uh and they may not be my blood but they're all under my tribe they're all under my leadership so i'll be sitting down man there's 20 kids in front of me and i'm just pouring into them pouring into them hey man this is you see what uncle doing, right? You see what daddy doing, right? Right. You see, uh-uh. No, serve the people. No, 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 no. You ain't doing nothing for them. You're doing something for your own soul. You, you ain't, you, oh, you think that you're doing something for them? Oh, you think you're better than them? You ain't better than nobody. You are not better than nobody. If Allah has blessed you to be a vessel, you the one that's blessed. The cup is as blessed as the one drinking the water. You're blessed, you know? And constantly putting that into the children, putting that into my family, putting that into the women that are around me, putting that into the men that's around me, that if anything ever happened to me, keep this mission going. Not if, when it happens, keep this mission going, keep fighting, keep pushing, right? And and and, and of course, no one wants to think about death in the physical sense, because that's the, the separation, because we so, you know, we're stingy. We just, we just, you know, we know what we know, you know, just like the baby, you know, it cries when he leaves, when she leaves the, the, the belly of her mother, that's all she knew until she is born into a new world. And, 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 and just as small as the belly is, is as small as this world is in comparison to the next world. 
So we want to make sure that we are leaving a legacy of service. Uh, in the Quran, it says that uh, when those who pass away, the first thing they say to God is, let me go back so I can give more. Right? And they don't say go back so they can pray more. They don't say go back so they can, you know what I'm saying, party more. Let me go back so I can give more. So every day, I'm just trying to give, man. And 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 I just thank y'all so much for giving me an opportunity from from Dubai to to Kenya to Cleveland, you know, to just giving me the opportunity to give, even if it's a piece of myself, that hopefully it can be of, of impact, man. And you know, I just love y'all so much, man. And I appreciate y'all, brothers, man. And and real men recognize men, man. And, and I recognize that in you, brothers, man. So much love to you, man. Please keep me in your prayers, man. Salute and salams to you, man. Definitely, definitely. We're gonna let you go just, just yet. I got, I got one more big thing for him, Heath. Um, which, which is uh, sister cities. Have you, have you heard, have you heard of the concept of a sister city? Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah. So you, you, you um, you did mention uh, in terms of your, your um, uh, uh, honorary membership uh, of that, of that uh, tribal collective in Ghana, and you mentioned, um, you know, Kenya a couple of times. Um, in your position, particularly when you become mayor, to be able to adopt an African city, I think that would be dope, brother. Um, um, for 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 young black brothers and sisters to understand that they have cousins in Africa that they can vibe with uh, uh, on on a day to day basis. I mean, like, look, we got technology today; we can talk to people across the world like instantaneously. So we shouldn't feel so disconnected. So coming from an official like yourself telling people that yo i support this initiative to have a sister city uh and like you know speaking that into into you know into existence what do you think about that i love that idea and uh i have a i have a very good i consider he i consider him an uncle his name is albert ratner he's a 95 year old jewish billionaire and uh he told me something that that that, that rocked me man he said that every jewish child has a birthright to israel that they are when they're born they have a free trip to go back to their homeland and that's a reminder for them of where they come from that even though they're in america that's where their homeland is and that's the right. same thing we have to do you know you can't be multicultural until you first love to be black you know so you have we, we creating that creating that 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 birthright every black person should know uh, in some shape or form that they are connected to Africa. They're connected to Africa. So know that about it. Uh, that's one of my goals is to create many sister cities within Africa, um, as well as in the Arab in the Arab world, uh, uh, or African world really, but that's another conversation. But no, <laughs> you feel me, Heath? We're on the continent. So, that's the continent, man. They know it. I appreciate you, brothers, man. I really enjoyed it. I appreciate my sister from Kenya and everybody that's here. Please keep us in your prayers. This is a serious mission that we on, and uh, it's a lot of battles. And if you hear something good about me, you know, thank the Creator. If you hear something bad about me, you know, pray to the Creator. Ask the Creator to bless me and to protect me and my family, because this is a you on the front line, man. It's not a uh, it's not a it's not an easy task, but it's necessary. No question. I I, I need sure. I got one favor from you though, brother. Yes, sir. Next time you mention your uh, your influences, man, please give my Philly brother Black Thoughts some love. Please. Yo, man, without a doubt. Hey, listen, I was I'm supposed to be meeting with him, man, 
Good. He's gonna become the, you know, I'm, he's supposed to become the Cleveland man to support me, man, for this this run we put that together. Without a doubt, he's in my top five, man. Okay. Black Thought in my top five. Okay. Okay. Do, do, it. And do me another favor. Yes, uh, you have a copy of Going Global, right? I sure do. I sure do. If you can remember, bring that to him because he has a copy as well. I sent him a copy and he actually hit me on the DM, told me he received it. Good but stuff. I need him to acknowledge, you know, I need him to Not acknowledge because he, he has it. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of trolling him a little bit every now and then. So, hey, man, you know, sometimes you got to do that, man. And, and, you know, people who he don't look at it as trolling. He look at it as love. Just remind us. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah, just remind us. Tell everybody how we can get in touch with you and um, you know, keep keep a keep abreast with your activities and what's going on. Like, you know, what's your social media, what's your website handle, etc. No doubt, blessings, man. So once again, man, I thank you all so much, man, for just giving me opportunity to uh to share space with you all. You know, energy, uh energy has no bounds. Um, and you can feel it wherever you are, even if you're on top of the earth like me, you know what I'm saying, or you uh, you know, you just chilling out, man, uh, uh, in Dubai. Uh, energy has no bounds, man. Our brain has the power, our mind has the power to travel time and space, man. So I thank you all for this time. It was healing for me. Um, you guys can follow me at Bashir J, B-A-S-H-E-E-R-J, uh, on Instagram, Bashir Jones on Facebook. Um, and, you know, I'm easy to connect with uh, there. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm just thankful, man, to have experienced this with you guys. And I hope and pray that we can um, connect again at some point in time, man. We thank you, brother. Thanks a lot. No doubt. As we always say, man, live global and prosper. Prosper. Peace. Peace, everybody. Thanks. Mr. Worldwide.